0: It is exactly three minutes after eight o'clock. This is the MetroVM talk as we get straight into our Turk ter- uh, conversations. And today we are focusing on internet for all. Now every Wednesday we do talk technology and we also look at some of the latest happenings in the industry, including some people who are change makers, making big waves and, and really shifting things up in, in the tech industry. And tonight our guest is Dudum Kwanazi, and uh, Dudu is the chief executive officer of Product Isiswe. Dudu completed her undergraduate degree in public administration at Northwest University before pursuing her honors degree in political science and she also did this at the Northwest University. Dudu launched her professional career at the university as the research and support assistant in the school of humanities in 2013 she embarked on her master's degree in public policy and comparative politics at the Université montpellier in the south of france and uh, i'm sure she can speak a little bit of french we'll find out in a moment now upon her return she worked in the political environment including serving as a strategic advisor to to the public office of the MMC of Shared Services in the city of Johannesburg. And this was before she joined Project Isiswe. And uh, she joins us now on the line. A very good evening to you, Dudu. Thank you so much for your time tonight.
1: Evening, Tommy. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Now, uh, perhaps let's start with this. Can you speak any French after your time at uh, Université Montpellier?
1: Un peu, un peu. c'est très difficile. I haven't spoken French in, in a very long time and I, I have a trip to Paris um now in November. Well, I, I least... guess I'll scrape on my little French
0: <laughs> in well, a few well, weeks. Well the accent sounds awesome. Et moi aussi, je peux parler un petit peu, pas beaucoup. But, you know, there's the Alliance Francaise down the road, so you can just brush yeah, up as, 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 bon, as, as you go. C'est c'est bon. Impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tutu. Now, you know, you, from your bio and every single thing that, that you've done, it's quite clear that you come from a, a public sector background as well as an academic background. So I'm, I'm quite okay. keen to find out, how did you find yourself in, in the tech space?
1: It's actually it's um I always say it's a personal story because um Isiswe was founded by Eleanor Craig Jr in 2013 and around that time I was in Montpelier uh pursuing my masters so I had no idea what Ellen was doing in South Africa um but fast forward about almost 3 years ago when I met Ellen um he shared with me his vision and goal for Esesa and um And the work that Isidu had been doing in the city of Twane at that time. And when he he said to me, his dream is to see every young person in a low-income community to have internet access within a walking distance and how imperative internet access is, not only to to young people for job opportunities and et cetera, but for inclusion. Um, it felt like a very personal story for me because it wasn't until I had to go and study in Montpellier that my immediate family, particularly my grandmother, um, got introduced to the internet. So when I left for France in 2013, my grandmother was stressed out about how we would communicate because I would be there for 18 months pursuing my master's. And she kept complaining that how is she going to afford airtime and call me and et cetera. So I I had to leave, um, and I bought her a little computer, a little laptop, and and a little dongle. I'm not sure if they still sell dongles. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I bought her a little dongle, and I had one of our neighbors download Skype for her um, so that she could call me on Skype whenever she wanted to. And fast forward, this is 2019, everyone at uh, Project Defeasor calls my grandmother, Google Google, because she thinks Google has the answers to everything. Oh. Um, about two nights ago, I said to her, we're moving houses, and I said to her, I'm going to have to take my Wi-Fi with me. <laughs> and she said, you cannot take my Wi-Fi. <laughs> how do I stream and watch videos on YouTube? Wow. So it, it's such a personal testimony to me and, and how it's just transformed the lives of my immediate family and, and how deep savvy my grandmother has become! And, and I, mean, I just um, I
0: love the intergenerationality—the fact that it's not just your generation, but also even the the generation older than your mom, even. Um, but I must yeah. say, do do on this one, I'm I'm with your grandma. You cannot take the Wi-Fi. With you. You've <laughs> I know, I was teasing her. You've was, got to
1: make a plan. No, for a <laughs> no, I was teasing her. She said, "I will pay for this Wi-Fi. Just don't take it away yeah. from me." Um, but so that is how I ended up. So when I met Alan and he told me about his so disease, I digress. I, I said to him, it's a personal story for me because... um You know, not so long ago, I had no clue where I would be, Um, and it's because I went online, applied for this opportunity to get a scholarship, to go study overseas, and and this was an opportunity very few young people within the community in Home where I come from, have had the opportunity. So I said to him, I I dream to see a lot of young people, a majority, to see more doodos go not only in Europe, but to explore other parts of the world and get more opportunities, and we can only do that now. Digitally, of course, Um, and so that's how, (laughs) long story short, that's how I got um, to to join ECEZER because it it felt like a a true and personal purpose for me.
0: Okay, so from from what you're saying, ECEZER Project ECEZER is really about making sure that everybody has access to to the internet as a means of, you know, connecting to the world and, and connecting also, I guess, to the world of of technology. But where is it uh, centered at, at the moment? How wide is, is your reach? Where are you operational?
1: So when I joined the CISOA, this was in 2017, um, the only project was at our flagship project, which was in partnership with the City of Twanee. Um, and since my leadership, or since I, I, I took over seedway we now have a footprint in seven provinces. Um, yeah, so in, including the Northern Cape, and we'll be launching a project on the thirty-first of October um, in Deben and Maputing in the Hamakara Municipality um, of Katu in the Northern Cape. And I'm really excited about this because um, about two years ago, I also drove around the Northern Cape, and I. I felt really touched. I mean, I was in Upington, and I was conversing with the young people there, and I met this boy, and I asked him what he wanted to be, and he said he wanted to be an engineer, but specifically a civil engineer. And the very same day, we drove all the way to Puff Adder, and I met another young boy just about the same age, and I asked him what he wanted to be when he finished school, and he said he wanted to work at a nearby petrol station. Mm. And for me, what, what that said to me was it, it had nothing to do with where the boy is, um, the one in Uppington and the one in Port Adder, but the access these two kids have in the same country, um, in one province that is in within South Africa, and, and the fact that this young boy in Povada wasn't exposed to any of these other opportunities uh, because these schools had no access to the Internet. And, and essentially the only form of opportunity or, or success he saw was working at the nearest um, petrol station or the nearest lodge. So I'm really excited um, that we partnered with a um, solar farm in, in the Northern Cape to connect the community of Deben and Mapote.
0: And, and, and I guess that's the, the next question that I, I'd like to ask you. But let's take a, a quick uh, break. And when we get back, the type of services that you're offering, are you going to be able to get into those really rural communities, the type of schools uh, that you're talking about, as well as you know, if you are to offer free internet to a certain community, what exactly is is the process? But you'll break that down for us in a moment. Our guest this evening in our tech conversations is none other than Dudum Kwanazi, the chief executive officer of Project Isiswe. And we're shining the spotlight tonight on giving access to everybody, internet access, that is. Now, Dudu, before the break, you were talking about the fate of, of two young uh, individuals. Yes, they may be in the same province, but it's not really about their geographical location, you said, but really about the access to information. Now, the question is, with Project where are you going to be able to infiltrate those hidden, uh, you know, village schools and those hidden places where, where people really don't have easy access to anything tech-related?
1: Because we're in non-for-profit, I think one of the main barriers for people doing the work that we're doing at ACSW is, of course, funding that sort of impedes us um, scaling um, into, into rural communities. But I'm really excited that about Two years ago, um, we ventured on a journey with the U.S. Trade and Development Agency, um, together with Microsoft. Um, And this year, in August, we launched um, the first TV white space visibility um, project. So... And 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 the per, and the whole purpose of of the TV white space technology would be to connect rural communities that are, wouldn't particularly be you know connected because there is no fiber or because of line of sight or because it's hilly and and there's a lot of mountains so it's you know your typical y, Wi-Fi becomes an issue so I'm really excited because. The TV White Space technology has proven to be a great technology that will allow for deeper infiltration of broadband and connectivity. Um, I I was privileged to be in Seattle a month ago and and met other Microsoft partners who who are connecting uh, rural communities in in India with with TV White Space. So, as soon as we get our temporary license from ICASA, we should be able to. To connect the, the communities, um, the rural communities. We'll be starting with the community of A Thousand Hills in, in KZN. So I'm really excited about that. And so what would be the
0: process for a particular community to get access to this free internet?
1: So, like I said, when when Ellen founded Isiswe in 2013, he he went to the council of town and and essentially pitched the idea of internet access within a walking distance so let's let's think of the olden way or or the typical rural way of you know, when you want, there isn't a tap just outside your house or inside your house. So in order for you to get to the tap, there's a communal tap, right? So we'd all have to walk with less than a kilometer or within a kilometer to get to that tap. So that was the idea uh, and still is with Project Deciso is that think of these public hotspots as communal taps where young people go um, when they want to connect to the internet. And essentially for four years, the the project was in partnership with the city of Tuane and funded by the municipality. Um, So when our project with the city of Tuane came to an end um, and I was then voted in by the board to be the CEO of Isiswe, we looked at the model and I figured, look, it's great that Twane is a metro and Twane can afford to connect and to pay for its citizens to be connected to free Wi-Fi, but communities like the community of Deben and the municipality of Hamahara or a municipality in somewhere in Limpopo or a municipality in in rural KZN, um, to go to a mail, to go to a council and say you need to be connecting young people to Internet access would be asking them to compete, you know, Internet access with, with water or, or tide roads or, or housing, right? Mm. Um, so I had to relook really look at our model and say, look, everyone has to pitch in and bridging the digital divide. And by everyone, I mean both private and public. Um, and, and we have to read. Think and relook our private public partnerships. And and that's why we then reached out to Glencoe Mine just outside of Gauteng, um, here in Imalahini. And we said to Glencoe, look, you've built beautiful schools here in your mining towns and you've painted clinics, but you have a plethora number of young people who are unemployed, who are living in these mining communities how about you then start looking at connectivity as, as part of your social corporate investment? I mean, you this gives you an opportunity to be able to connect with young people and to connect with the community at large um, about what it is that Glencoe is doing in the community, what opportunities are there. And then young people are also able to then go online and not only apply for opportunities within Glencoe, but also be exposed to other opportunities. So post-20, our model has been um, using connectivity and, and selling connectivity as part of, of a social corporate investment. So a lot of our partners, since our project in Tawny, have been heavily private um, institutes or private private corporates that have looked at connectivity and want to play a role in bridging in the digital space. divide. Now, exactly.
0: You, so you've you've have achieved you know some success with the likes of Glencore, for for example. But when you are approaching. Um, politicians and you're talking to municipalities, is there an understanding um, of the benefits of what free Wi-Fi to communities would mean? Are you talking the, the same language? Is there an appetite for this?
1: So I think it's it's such a buzzword and, and recently with, with Minister Stella and Davini Abrams and our and our president um, putting up the commission of, of the four IR commission, so every municipality, and particularly in metros, it's it's become a, a fashionable thing to have public Wi-Fi. And and the question is, it's, I think politicians understand what it does, <laughs> I and and I think that's why everyone just wants to get on this bandwagon, which is great. I think what what municipalities are struggling with is how to then use it in a way that would optimize. Um, their service delivery within my municipalities. I mean, I made an example with uh, Glencoe about a few months ago, um, and I said to them, we're sitting with all this data that we're obviously open with, with our users, and we're, we're able to see from from our systems what our users are doing when they're online. Obviously, we have firewalls to protect our users from accessing pornographic sites or gambling sites, mm. but we're able to see how many percentages of young people are going online and what they're doing when they're in Kabul, that they're searching for jobs, that they're doing this. And, and I say to our funders, perhaps we can take this data and, and have a conversation with the local municipality and say, instead of hosting initiatives around... I, I, I'm just going to make a typical example uh, by um, sewing machines for young people. This is the sort of information that young people are searching when they're online. So let us marry this with the NDP and the goals that you have as a municipality because everything is happening digitally. This isn't something we're all dreaming about. This is something that they're doing online, and therefore this is something that drives them individually. And and if you're taking this data and putting out out there and saying, this is what you guys are, are, are doing, is this a true reflection of what your needs are as young people that are unemployed? or as young people seeking employment in the country. Is this truly a reflection? And how can we then use this information to then um, um, impact policy? And, and and I think that's where municipalities are lacking, to utilize data in a very effective way that will inform um, effective service delivery.
0: We'll take another quick break to do. And, and when we come back, if you could just look at the tech space uh, in South Africa and our readiness as a country for the Fourth Industrial Revolution. It's twenty-one minutes after eight o'clock. This is Metro FM Talk. It is exactly twenty-three minutes after eight o'clock. We are in conversation with Dudum Kwanazi, the Chief Executive Officer of Project Isizwe. Just before the break, we were talking about the appetites that uh, you know various politicians have, and and specifically municipalities for giving access to information. Um, but I, I want to find out from you the idea of a free internet for all. How long will this actually take for us to reach? Is it even a possibility
1: i I would say it's a possibility um but after this afternoon, I read um the alliance for affordable internet's uh, affordability Report so are there also an international non for profit that's that does intensive research on on affordability indexes across the continent and and other parts of the world and um you know the Competition becomes, uh, continues to be an impediment in, in ensuring affordability. I think where we are as South Africa and why we'll, we continue to have the conversation of Internet for All and why we continue having the, the conversation of people not uh, being uh, digitally included is because of affordability, right? So um, if I, you and I are, you know, we can afford to get phones contracts, um, cell phone contracts. And so that means we can get mobile data for way less than 10 grand. But if you are an unemployed mother, say, of two or three, and you have to buy a gig of data. Usually a gig of data runs off as $149, grand, but no one in the township will take out 149 rand to buy a gig of data. So what happens is they buy it in small amounts, in small bundles, in 20 megs, 20 megs, 20 megs, and, and that it amounts to over 500 rand that people in low-income communities would have to spend just a gig of data. Um, I think the Commission, the Competition Commission, just call it any, called it an immoral um, act by the um, the mobile network operators on as far as um, affordability of data is concerned. Do I think we'll get to a point where everyone is connected? Um, Yes, but it's it's not something that's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> it's not going to be something that happens in 10 years. But we surely have uh, made great progress uh, than than we than we were about 10 years ago. Mm.
0: And let's talk about our readiness as a country for 4IR. For as you said earlier on, it, it is a buzzword. Are we ready for 4IR as well as other forms of technology?
1: So this conversation it needs to be are we ready as an elite <laughs> middle class
0: no. educated south african are, are we ready as the majority because ultimately
1: you want to
0: benefit of the masses
1: tell me we, we we just had a conversation about affordability i mean i i was hosting the fttx um africa conference last week and the entire day two of the conference, all the speakers were talking about five G, and and how amazing five G would be, and how you know fast and and great five G would be. And my question kept kept on being, aren't we looking? Is this question really relevant for majority of South Africans, or are we having this conversation with commercial uh, business South Africa? Because I can tell you now, if we have amazing technology, and I'm not saying I'm not. Uh, uh, I'm not against 5G or, or any other um, IoT uh, or IoT technology. What I'm saying is we need to be careful the the faster everything grows and, and it is growing at a rapid pace, um, the, be, the much wider the gap becomes. Um, there are areas in, in South Africa that still do not have 3G, um, that still don't even have LTE and we're already having conversations around 5G. So, We're looking at a pace that if we do not solve the digital inclusion problem, if we do not solve the affordability problem of data in South Africa, we're only going to create much deeper inequality. Um, and, And it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And so something has to be done and something has to be done beyond just saying, um here's a policy, here's a policy directive around spectrum, and then we have to wait a few months later or a few years later even around uh, around four spectrum and How do we even know that the mobile network operators We even you know lower the cost of data or, or play the games that they're playing around affordability. so we're well, far from having a conversation around are we ready for the new technologies? Are, is the entire South Africa ready for 5g Is the elite south Africa educated south Africa ready for 5g of course? Is business in South Africa ready for 5G? Yes. But is the community in Gatlehong ready for 5G? Can they afford 5G? That is the question we really need to be having.
0: So really a a huge uh, focus on widening inequality gap there. What is the type of language that we should be having as South Africa, bearing in mind that, you know, the, the, the chasm is so huge and the duality is so stark?
1: I think the conversation we need to be having is: is how can we, how do we have, how do we have all these amazing technologies, and and how do we bring about inclusion and sustainable inclusion? And my biggest issue when um, I I joined the Cisway about almost two years ago was this is great that we have all these amazing projects funded by a municipality or funded by a private corporate. But in the event that Glencore decides to close down their minds and move away, the last thing all these hotspots should be is white elephants, right? So people should, shouldn't should be saying we were once connected and now we don't have connectivity. Um, I think we need to have the conversation around what it is that people are using internet for. I mean, I've, I've been in forums where... Uh, public officials say, yeah, do we really want people to be connected to public Wi-Fi because all these young people do is go on Facebook um, and Twitter and and YouTube? And my response is usually, yes, do you not go on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube? And unfortunately, all these Khan Academy videos and all these um, tutorial videos are on YouTube. So, uh, you know, let's Let's get young people online. Let's watch what it is that they're doing. Let's actually, you know, implore them to go online. And if we need to pose restrictions and, and block um, and have parental or pornographic sites of blocking or firewalls, then let's do that. But let's not look at Internet access or providing public Wi-Fi and, and think people don't know what to use it for. It'd be shocked. They know exactly what to use it for. Um, we have a project in Guatabega in KZN, and we we connected this community about a year ago. And this lady sends me an email, and she said, I run a hair salon here, and because of your Wi-Fi, I've been able to attract other customers outside of where I'm based in Guadalajara. In fact, I had a lady moving from a different province to come and do her heck because now I'm able to put my business online, not only on Instagram, but on other social media. We connected another non-for-profit um, uh, called Imbelego. And what they do is they run an after-school program uh, at the Valley of a Thousand Hills. And when the, skill, when the kids are at school, the mothers stay behind. And the founder said to me one day, the mothers took a picture of one of the directors of the Bank of America, and they they created a duplicate of the picture using beadwork. Mm. And she said, "It's a beautiful picture. I don't know what to do with it." So I said to her, "Take the picture, put it on Facebook, put it online. Hopefully, someone will take this woman." A month later, I bump into her in New York, and and she's called in Bellego to be one of the um, non for profits that become um um members of the bank of america and and they now supply the foundation of the bank of america with the beadwork that they're doing these are women in the value of the thousand Hills who would never have dreamt that they would have a client base in new york and this is just all because this lady took a picture and put it on on facebook and youtube uh, and youtube and instagram uh, so these are People in low-income communities and rural areas, they know what the Internet is for. I think we need to stop being too elitist and too judgmental and, and say, but they'll be on social media. Um, and they will not use it to an advantage. That's fine. People get married and they meet their spouses on social networks.
0: I I really love the point that you made earlier on, and perhaps this is um, another area of CSI that has not been explored. Usually um, a company would look at contributing a a physical infrastructure to an under- you know, uh, an underprivileged community. But if you look at data, data is also an infrastructure. Perhaps that is another avenue that, uh, you know, corporates could start looking at, at donating and investing in uh, various communities because it is a commodity in itself, the access to information and the opportunity to just have Absolutely. a shot at, at making it um, in life. But looking at the tech space in South Africa at the moment, how would you describe it and specifically for women entrepreneurs?
1: I think it's growing um, and and I think it's more accommodating of women now. Um, three years ago i'd i'd be shocked if there was another woman in the room when I'd when i'd go into meetings <laughs> um, and and now it's it's growing um, and especially the edutech space um, there's more female um, innovators and and techprens that are doing amazing things um, I have a close friend of mine who's Opened her own coding school. She's teaching children from the age of three years on how to code. The company wow. is called Code Moana, um, and she recently <laughs> had a cute. partnership. <laughs> she recently had a partnership with um, Street Life School and, and Deep Slurt. And about a week ago, she launched her own self-published book um, teaching children. Um, more about computers and what the computer is and what a RAM is, but using simplified language um, that children can understand. And I've been reading it to my three-year-old, and she can now recite what a RAM is without the complication of 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 tech um, of tech of, of the tech jungle. Yes. Exactly. So it's growing. Um, I've been privileged to be nominated and awarded the Inspiring 50 Award by the uh, Dutch Embassy. And and I got to meet other women doing amazing it's things awesome. in the tech space. So women are there, uh, but women need to be um, empowered even more. Um, I think the tech space in South Africa is still pretty much male-dominated, but they're amazing women innovators and, and, and tech Tech out there. So, when
0: you talk about women need to be empowered more, uh, who is it that must empower them? Uh,
1: look, I, I, like I said in the beginning of the interview, I think we need to relook at the public-private partnership. I think the whole narrative, I mean, I recall when I was still in varsity, the minute you say public-private partnership, uh, we would always look at government first, <laughs> right? What, what is government doing to ensure that women get the platform? Um, I think corporate also has a role to play um, to open more doors uh, for tech, uh, for women in tech, uh, and, and not just allow women to be tech managers, but to get them into executive roles, into executive positions, into positions of power and influence and decision-making. And I think that's where the tech space in South Africa is lacking at the moment. I think both government and corporate can can definitely play a big role in empowering women.
0: It's been a fascinating evening uh, chatting to you, uh, Dudu, and just being a part of your tech world uh, with Project Isiswe. We certainly wish you all the best. Um, a, A long way to go. But you know what, I think you're ready for the job.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, honey. Thank, Thank you, you so much attention. and all, all the day best. Day. Thank
0: you. Thank you, and and, oh, and before you go, uh, we'd like to get in touch with your friend, your code Moana friend. So oh, uh, that's great. That's awesome. I'm sure she's
1: listening.
0: (laughs) We'd love love to chat to her and find out what she's doing as far as educating, um, you know, the younger generation, the newbies, new, 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 brand newbies at three years old already learning, um, you know, how to code, etc. It's it's a new language for uh, a new world. And uh, you certainly yes. are spearheading that in entire um, in entire era. So thank you so much, Dudu.
1: Thank you so much, Tammy. Have a great
0: evening. Have a good one. That's uh, Dudum Kwanazi there, the Chief Executive Officer of Project Isiswe.